In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I am baffled by world events sometimes. Well, actually, most of the time. But by the actions and behaviors of people. How we make decisions and go to great lengths uh, to be mean, selfish, or nasty, rude, or as we see so horribly on the news with the invasion in Ukraine, destructive, violent. To what end, really? I mean, now more than ever, as we have instant news feeds and, and go, that go up to the minute with everything that's happening around the world, it's at our fingertips, it's splashed across our, our screens 24-7. We are exposed to so much, and it can actually be numbing. And God help us if we ever get too numb. Jesus, too, was baffled at the world, I'm sure, and before him, the prophets of Israel, who told the people of God that they were going astray and were adopting destructive ways. God sent prophets over and over and over again, to bring the people back into right relationship with God. Pro prophets told the truth in the midst of a people ruled by powerful kings who were not all that great all the time, and occupiers. Prophets tried to convince people of a different way of life, one where God's justice would prevail. And to the prophets, God's justice was all about leveling the playing field for everyone else. Free the oppressed, help the poor, assist widows and orphans, be mindful and attentive to those who don't have any social standing in the world. The prophet Micah is famous for saying, do justice, be merciful, do good. If you can't do good, learn to do good. Hate evil, denounce idolatry. And Jesus' time on earth was all about the same, basically have the proper conduct toward others and not just other people, but those whom the world treats as the other, those disenfranchised from society. Come back to God. Come back to God. But notice how Jesus is not just talking about leveling the playing field today in the gospel reading. He's actually taking a stand and doing something about it. The Pharisees come to him and say, oh, get away from here. Herod wants to kill you. And I love it because Jesus says basically, I'm paraphrasing here, hmm, let me look at my schedule. No, I don't have time to deal with threats and fear today. I'm busy. Let's see, I'm casting out demons. I'm performing cures today and tomorrow. So nope, I don't have time. I don't have time for talk of killing. As you can see, I'm a little bit too busy healing the world. I'm busy showing you, the Pharisees, what you should be showing the people. How to heal by trusting in the power of God, not kowtowing to the fear that King Herod is throwing around I'm not talking, I'm doing. I'm not afraid of that fox. And he's talking about King Herod when he, when he mentions the fox. The king who was known to be a very selfish, self-centered person. Now this is the son of Herod the Great, and you may remember him 
who when Jesus was a baby, he killed all the children because he was afraid of the baby Jesus born in Bethlehem, the real king of the Jews. Well, King Herod the son obviously did not have a good example in his father, to say the least. Jesus calls Herod a fox. What is a fox? A fox is sneaky. A fox is crafty. A fox takes what is not his. A fox is conniving, a trickster. Jesus is calling people back to God by telling and showing, reminding us that we have a choice. We can destroy like Herod who wants to kill. We can be afraid of unjust power like the Pharisees, or we can make the choice to be healers. We can build up our relationships and the world, or we can destroy our relationships and the world. That is our decision to make. That is a choice that we have each and every day. Destroy or build up. Kill or heal. Herod is the destroyer. Jesus is the healer. Sometimes in order to be a healer, we must get people to think in a different way. Now, Jesus does this time and time again. He wants people to know that he is the Messiah, but he's a different kind of Messiah, not a retaliating Messiah, not a warrior Messiah, but one who is going to turn the world's idea of what is powerful upside down. I'll give you an example. He says, he says that he yearns to be like a hen who gathers her brood under her wings. He doesn't say... I wish to be like a rooster who struts around and makes a lot of noise but doesn't really produce anything or create any stability or con comfort. He chooses to use feminine imagery. Why does he do that? Well, women had absolutely no power. And indeed, if you were a male in both the earlier Greek and in Jesus' time in the Roman context, to say that you wished you had feminine qualities like a hen you would be denounced and you would be ridiculed or worse. That's not what was wielded up as powerful back then. Men who displayed what was considered feminine qualities were shamed. So Jesus, once again, he flips what is normally thought of as powerful with the not powerful in order to include the outcast, the disenfranchised, in this case, women in order to redirect our attention to God's justice and to leveling the playing field, to include the least of these and all of humanity in building up God's kingdom. I made the final decision after a long discernment process to go into ordained ministry because I wanted to build up the church. Because in my mind, the church and, and especially our Episcopal tradition has everything, everything that I believe to help make the world a better place. And I specifically wanted the world to be a better place for my then newborn daughter. Because the most vulnerable of the least of these, the ones who are most powerless, are little children. I am haunted by the image of a young boy wandering all alone, crying, no family with him, trying to make it the best he can to the border crossing into Poland. 
I don't know if you saw this in the news. He's alone. His mother left at some other Ukrainian city to care for another family member who could not leave. And he's wearing his big puffy jacket and his, you know, it's got a big hood on it and, 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 and you can just see his face all crumpled up and he's crying and he's walking and he's carrying a little bag of his stuff, one little bag of his stuff. He's got a phone num number written on his hand. And he's just walking and the, and, the, and the photographer got this really great, well, great, got this photo of him, just his face, just in tears. And I imagine in his little bag, there's something to give him comfort, like a stuffed animal or something. I don't know what was in the bag. It just, just stayed with me all week. What will his life be like now? Most likely he will go through stages of fear and grief and he will likely find it hard to trust. And then I wonder if he will turn around and when he gets older and hate so that he can seek revenge and will the cycle of revenge and hatred just go on and on and on and just continue? What kind of world are we leaving our children? This traumatized boy will most likely always be broken. Frederick Douglass is quoted as saying, it is easier to build strong children than it is to repair broken adults. We adults are examples. We are all that the children of this world have. Children rely on us to build them up strong so that they can in turn grow strong and just societies who will choose to do good, do justice, have mercy and to heal. Some may want their children to live in a dog-eat-dog -dog society and do whatever it takes to succeed in the world, but we as Christians cannot take that stance because of who we follow, who Jesus is, what he said, what he did. We cannot teach our children to grow up to be foxes and crafty destroyers. Paul says in the letter to the congregation in Philippi today, brothers and sisters, be like me and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. In other words, we are the example. Living not like those who are bent on self-satisfaction and self-interest and are set on destruction, but like those who stand, as Paul says, firm in the Lord. To stand firm in the Lord means we don't live for ourselves alone. I say this a lot. I often ask kids, how do you spell sin? Sin is I in the middle. Sin is I in the middle. In other words, we live like I am the most important. I am the center of the world. I is more important than any other. When we are only out for our own self-interest, we often sin. We make bad decisions sometimes, not always. We all know that we are supposed to do those things we should do. But let's be honest, we choose not to a lot of the time. We have that voice inside us, that moral compass, that inner prophet, I like to call it, that we ignore. And in doing so, we go the wrong direction. The Bible is all about people who just stop listening to God. And over and over and over again, they are just called, please come back please come back, and they stop trusting God, who don't think that they can wait on God to do what they need God to do right then and there. They, have, they don't have time to wait. 
God speaks to us all the time, and we don't listen. Israel didn't listen to the prophets, and Jesus knows that they won't listen to him, even though he is able to actually show them visible proof of the power of God. He knows that the ways of the world will lead him to death on a cross. But in so doing, he will show the world the ultimate power of God. And still, even today, we don't listen. When do we stop listening to our inner prophet? What happens when we do? Well, we invite chaos. And of course, we see this in the extreme acts of violence around the world, the demonizing of the other to a radical extent, those choosing a destructive ideology to attach to. We have a choice. We can destroy or we can build. The subtle fox is just as chaos-making as the overt mass murderer. We as the church have to be a stronger prophetic voice to offer our children a healing ideology by word and example so that they can build and not destroy. So that when we are long gone, they can listen to their inner prophets. In this time of Lent, listen. Listen for a new awareness. Listen for new possibilities. Listen to others. Listen to others you wouldn't normally listen to. Listen for meaning. Listen for appreciation. Listen for clarity, vision, change. Listen to other voices. And above all, listen with humility and grace so that the inner prophet within us can guide us beyond the past and hopefully into a new creation. Amen.